and welcome back to another edition of Loss of Down. I am your host, Stephen Weed, and always joining me, my co-host, Mr. Walter Lukashensky. Unfortunately, not in person this week, but this will have to do. How are we doing out there in Pittsburgh, my man? I'm doing pretty good, Steelers. Uh, right before we finished or started recording today, they just finished up their long marathon week with the Ravens, so that'll be interesting. We're officially on to week 13, Stephen. Slowly but surely. We are. Finally, we never thought that this game would be played. But a Wednesday afternoon game, I am not against that whatsoever. I don't know about you, Wally. No, I. it was a little weird. It felt like uh, the perfect opening up to Maction tonight on Wednesday night. And it's weird to think that right around the corner, we have next week football games starting up right away again. It's awesome. Got a full slate of college ball Saturday, full slate Sunday. There's going to be a lot of football here the next few days, and I cannot be more excited but you need to check on Nate Robinson before we start anything today, Wally. Oh, My man died this weekend to some YouTube star, Jake Paul. Dude is so douchey. Did you please tell me you watched this? I can't stand Jake Paul, just like 99% of the rest of what America. <laughs> so I, like everybody else, was devastated. But if there's anything beneficial that came out of it is Nate Robinson was thrust right back into relevance, and he will be a meme. For at least the next month. I mean, that was that was just unfortunate. And it sounds like it's just a matter of time. Jake Paul's already talking to McGregor. It's been confirmed. They've already been talking. I would love to see Dude. McGregor knock the clown out. I mean, I, w- I want to see legal murder just as much as the next person. But what is that man thinking? And it just and it just puts a thought in my head that this has to be a publicity stunt. And it's not. Oh, dollar bills, baby. Dollar dollar bills. I will. I can't uh, can't knock someone for trying to make some dollar bills. You know. You know. It's funny. Speaking of dollar bills, Wally, someone who's losing quite a few hundred thousands to millions of them. Will Fuller, after absolutely just going off on Detroit, which obviously we'll get to in this Thanksgiving, my man gets suspended for potential performance enhancing drugs when he failed the test. What? And then it came out. What? Um, Bradley Roby as well. Their cornerback got popped for it too. Can this shit get any worse in Houston? I feel so bad for Deshaun Watson. That's the the crime in all of this is you already had Bill O'Brien just give away DeAndre Hopkins. Will Fuller is an outstanding wide receiver, a guy that's been overshadowed for years by Hopkins. And man, now with him being out, there's just so little left for Watson the rest of this season. And one of these days, you got to imagine we're just going to hear one of these people that get popped for PDs. Why don't we get somebody to just own up? Hey, it's a contract year. I'm trying to make bank. I'm trying to put out the best numbers possible. I hate this. I didn't know what was going in my body. I've got to be better. Go to hell. You're so foolish, Jed. I I could not agree more with, yeah, you know what? I fucked up. I took some performance-enhancing drugs because I was trying to keep up with DeAndre Hopkins, who I didn't think was leaving, but it was too late. I was already, I'm a pill-popping animal like Lil Wayne. So I'm just going to continue right, doing it. No, yeah. you, you, but you're right, though. Just like if you told me the truth, I think I'd be more fired up with these players. I think I'd like them more. But that's the thing with the NFL. Like you can't – that's just like a big no-no. Don't pop pills. Don't hit women. Those are just basically the two no-nos. You can get behind a wheel, murder someone with your car, pay that family off like the Dante Stallworth did, or just get suspended <laughs> for popping pills and trying to uh, – try. You know, you, that makes me think. Is that why Will Fuller cut his dreads? Do you think that was going to be like a hair test of some sort? So we had to just shave his dreads off? They're like, yeah, no, it's actually a a urine test, my guy. 
Go ahead and suspend me. I'm good. Yeah, it, I don't know. It's one of those things you go back to, like when Andy Pettit for what I think he was playing with the Yankees at the end of his career when he just owned up to it. It made me like him more. He was one of my favorite players after that. Like, just tell me the truth. And I mean, Will Fuller already great receiver, trying to take the next step. I don't blame him. Just own up to it when you get caught. I mean, that's that's all it comes down to. I don't know. I think it comes to a certain point where he's he's the one who broke the news on himself. So that takes a lot of balls to do instead of just having everyone just drill you. And then two days later, like, you know what? I took this substance I didn't think uh, was illegal at the time. And then, you know, I found out later that it was. You know, at least he was like, hey, yo, I'm, I'm getting suspended and you're hearing it from me first. Peace out, bitches. And thank God Green Bay did not trade for this man. Yeah, oh my gosh, that's a great point. I hadn't even considered that yet. Imagine somebody did get Will Fuller at the deadline this year and then you lose him immediately. That would hurt some kind of way. Imagine if you were starting for an NFL team and you had the starting position locked up and then right before the second game, a team position stabs you in the chest, punctures one of your lungs, and you're not able to start. Justin Herbert comes in, takes the reins away. Tyrod Taylor is not filing for a grievance. Wally. Are you suing someone if they stab you in the chest and puncture you long and then essentially have you lose your NFL starting job? See, I'm really trying my best to try to think about this on both sides. But the part (laughs) for me that hangs out so much, this isn't like a normal starting quarterback getting stabbed like this. This is a guy that was already in potentially some of his last days ever as an NFL starting quarterback. And he might have had those taken away from him by the team physician, and honestly, that's I would think that, yeah, I would be suing, so I wouldn't blame him. I know he obviously ultimately did not choose to do it, but, man, you don't have guaranteed dollars in the NFL very long, and he's really at the end of that, so I'd be definitely doing my best to, to get a little green on the way out of the door, Steven. <laughs> he's ultimately not taking the risk of being blackballed by the NFL, so I don't really blame him. Not taking that risk. At the end of the day, my man's just sitting collecting a paycheck behind Justin Herbert. If if he gets hurt, then Tyrod Taylor can come back in. But before we get into the hair of the dog, I have a amazing couple birthday announcements from the Aaron's up in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, as well as Aaron Jones, huge, huge listeners and supporters of the show. Wanted to give you guys a shout out. Happy birthday! And thank you so much for listening. Kind of a shot in the dark. I think they're listening. Do you know that for a fact? Oh, they have to be listening. You know who else is listening? The two-day-old daughter of Derek Carr that was born. So happy for the Carr family as well. We got birthdays left and right here in the Packer and Raider universe. And, of course, they're all diehard listeners. Oh, especially Derek Carr's baby. What I heard, you know, you know the rumor, play Beethoven, you know, on, on the wife's stomach when she's pregnant. Put a little headphones on there, play some Beethoven, you know, have them get smart. That's what Derek Carr's wife was doing. Put headphones around her stomach, had him had what her listening to Loss of Down. First word is gonna be the F bomb. And I cannot first wait word, for that tweet. The first line you'll ever hear from that baby is gonna be fire Paul Gunther. I can already feel it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, okay, someone's mad about something, but we'll get to that eventually. But what we have to get through first is that first few sifts after this hangover. Just to get us right back even. That's right. We're at the hair of the dog, and I don't have a can to pop, so I'm very sorry, Wally. That's fine. I'll, I'll make a can new. It's crack. Ooh, man. <laughs> that, that was a chorus line if I've ever heard one. First game. We're going to start here on Thanksgiving. 
Houston Texans just absolutely demolishing the Detroit Lions. Lions losing their fourth in a row on Thanksgiving, right after we were kind of pumping their tires about how they're the a different beast. At least to me. I was gonna say you watch yourself. I I, I feel like we're we're this is the part of you being in their division that makes it tough is you envision in your head the team's better than they are. Because I think to the rest of America, I feel like I only see the Lions lose on Thanksgiving. Yeah, they were bad, but their uniforms are so sweet on Thanksgiving. Doesn't really matter. Deshaun Watson lit them up, and it was, a I want to say, a fairly close game. But I felt like they at least had a chance, and then they were just sloppy in the first quarter. Houston went on to score two quick touchdowns, um, a Will Fuller connection with Deshaun Watson, possibly the last two connections that Will Fuller will have as a Texan. And then Matt Patricia gets canned at the end. Oh, my oh my goodness. What a game. What a game to bet on. Houston all day. We had Houston on this. This was, let's be honest, one of our few bright spots of last week's gambling. We lay it all out there. We're very transparent. Hard on the sleeve, folks. Other than that, Wally, what did you take away from this game? No, yeah, you're right. There were a couple, I guess, moments of sad realization if you are a Texans fan where not only do you have Will Fuller have the game he did right before his season's ultimately over. You also have J.J. Watt with the pick six early in this game where you have to wonder how long is J.J. Watt going to be in that Texans uniform going forward. So, yeah, a sad day all the way around. Uh, Yeah, the Texans got the win in the moment, but it means nothing. They're dead in the water. And, yeah, the Lions, Matt Patricia, he he gets shit-canned finally. We've been waiting for it for what feels like the better part of two months. And Daryl Bevel, or however you pronounce their former offensive quarter, coordinator's name. Bevel. He is their inner – Bevel. Is it Bevel? All right, yeah. It was, you sound confident enough. So yeah, Daryl Bevel. in the dark. Yeah, fuck it. No, no, no. That was completely right. Completely agree. Yeah, but he's the interim coach as of right now. Uh, realistically, season's not going anywhere for either of their teams. That's why they're both stuck here. But un- unlike that game. In the second Thanksgiving game this weekend, you had two three-win teams that were battling for a position to potentially make the postseason. And that's insane to me. But the Washington football team does hold off the Cowboys. They went 41-16 to on, on Thursday, I should say, and unfortunately what turned into the, the late game there. They entered the fourth quarter only up 20-16. to They scored the final 21 points of the game. Antonio Gibson went off. Rookie with three touchdowns over 100 yards on Thursday. Buckeyes in Washington were staying hot. Scary Terry and Chase Young both had days. Is Washington now, to you, the clear front runner, Or are you going to say even, we'll get to him later, but the Giants, who currently have the tiebreaker with four wins. And four wins in December, Stephen. We have a four-win team in first place in the NFC East. Who are you picking at this very moment to come out of it? And then what were the other takeaways in this game? It was so sick. It's so sickening that we we are still having this conversation. It is mind-blowing. Uh, Washington in this game, they did great. Antonio Gibson, 115 yards, three touchdowns. First rookie to score three touchdowns on Thanksgiving Day since that man up in Minnesota, Randy Moss. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to go with Washington on this one. I th- they are the division leader. This game hasn't really – mostly because I think Daniel Jones, with his injury, is not going to be able to come back in time for the Giants to actually make a solid push, even though they got the Texas legend, Colt McCoy. 
Washington is the clear front runner in this division for me right now. The Eagles are the Eagles looking like dog shit. The Cowboys are looking like the dog ate that shit and then shat it again. And then you have then you have the Giants are kind of wish-washy. We'll get to them, like you said. Very surprising defensively, but offensively, I don't think they'll be able to get it done. Now, the biggest takeaway that I had from this game, easily, Cowboys need Dak Prescott so much. And with the contract battle that they've had last year, throughout the whole season, then it carried into the offseason, now with Dak's injury, it's making it so clear how much that they need Dak Prescott. And his bank account is only going to get bigger from this game. I'm, I I don't even want to pick a winner for this division. I hate it so much. We're fucking done with this. We're absolutely done. We're going to go to Miami and the New York Jets, which I completely, I'll bite the bullet here, Wally. I was, I was riding with the Jets. Money line and it looked good, and then the second half of the first quarter happened, and it didn't really look that good. <laughs> the Jets only scoring three total points in two games versus Miami, and those three came this game. Miami is clearly going to be a wild card contender, but there's really not that much to talk about this game. Tua out with an injury, Ryan Fitzpatrick coming right back in, filling in. Did you take anything away from this game? Or is this just Miami winning another game and creeping up on Buffalo to potentially take the division? All right, I've got multiple things to say. No, I didn't take anything away from Miami in this game. But to just say something encouraging about the Jets, since I don't know if we've been able to say anything encouraging about them this entire season, it's at least nice that Quinn and Williams looks to appear to be finally coming to form and being that top five pick that we knew he could be. Seven tackles, two for loss. One and a half sacks, broke up two passes, and he still had three quarterback hits. So if you're looking for silver linings, that's got to be it there. As for the Dolphins, where are the weapons going to be to make this team make the playoffs right now? I mean, Devontae Parker was the only receiver that had more than three catches. Only one others did, and he only had 19 yards receiving. But Devontae Parker went off. He had nine catches on the weekend. But where are the other weapons going to be? Once two is back, he's the clear starter going forward. I don't think they have the horses to do it. I think their best hope is right now you get to see the Ravens continue to continue to spiral and continue to not look very good, and maybe then they sneak in. But otherwise, the Jets, you're miserable. Miami, you're a year away. I think you're setting up to be the first team out to me. And it's going to be fun. Bills, Miami, last game of the season. We did not think this game was going to have any significance to it. All of a sudden, now it does. That's exciting, and there's going to be a, there's a couple of those that's going, that are going to be happening. We'll get to those obviously as we continue through the show. Now we'll keep it in my division, the NFC North, Minnesota Vikings, barely defeating the Carolina Panthers, twenty eight to twenty seven. Jay Sly for the Carolina Panthers misses a kick as it hits the triple zeros. Well, that's two in the last four weeks that he's that he's missed one to to win the game. Obviously this. And the Kansas City Chiefs not too long ago. And Christian McCaffrey's lone game back from injury. But Justin Jefferson taking over as a number one receiver with Adam Thielen out. 70 catches and two touchdowns. So, Wally, obviously there's really not too much to take away from this game. But is Justin Jefferson turning into that guy over Adam Thielen this year in Minnesota? Yeah, I, I think Justin Jefferson right now is he's trending to potentially be the best wide receiver coming out of this star-studded rookie class. And that included Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, and now Chase Claypool. Those guys are all looking to have very bright 
careers. And I think Justin Jefferson might even be the leader in the clubhouse as of this point. But yeah, this was one of those crazy games too where, I mean, the Vikings were down two scores with under five left and Kirk Cousins balled out. I call call it what it is. I, we're not very high on him or this Vikings team, but credit to him. He had a great fourth quarter, completely took over and showed for a brief time why Minnesota thought it was a great idea to pay him all that money. And then, yeah, Joey Sly missing a kick at the death yet again. Really tough to blame a guy who's missing 54 yarders, 58 yarders at these final moments of games. But it just like goes to show how close this Carolina Panthers team is from being a playoff team. And I know we just said the same thing a minute ago about Miami, or I did. I think Carolina's in the same boat where you're a year or two away. You have a solid young coach. You have CMC, who has effectively not played this year. And Teddy Bridgewater's been electric. So this might be just a, a, a kind of grid it through the rest of the year, Carolina. Things are getting better. And who knows? Minnesota, man, all of a sudden, they're only a game out of that seventh spot behind Arizona. I don't know what the tiebreaker is. Maybe you know. If not, we'll go into that closer to the end of the season. But yeah, I mean, Minnesota all of a sudden got red hot here, and they have a shot to make the playoffs. Who would have thought this was possible at the end of October? We were having the same conversation just a little bit earlier on last year, and Minnesota is coming on strong, getting again behind Dalvin Cook. They're trying to have that Derrick Henry effect with Dalvin Cook right now, trying to get him to carry – but they have a quarterback that is able to play. I mean, he put up 307 yards and three touchdowns this week. So you know that he's able to throw it. But when you're having Kirk Cousins doing it consistently, that's when you're going to fail. But Dalvin Cook is the clear MVP for that team. So let me finish my sentence before you guys just start jumping to conclusions. But for that team, easily Dalvin Cook is the difference maker. And what do I always say, Wally? You have to have... You have to get to the quarterback, and you have to run the ball. They can run the ball and not get to the quarterback, but running the ball can be just as dangerous. Nothing is less dangerous than a Cincinnati Bengal right now, especially when they're playing the New York Giants. We're barely going to talk about this game, but the Giants, a three-game winning streak. They're first since 2016. Daniel Jones straining his hamstring in here, and that legend from Texas, Cole McCoy, coming in and leading them. Or as Wally would like to say, securing the victory against the Bengals, who only put up 155 total yards. Obviously, it's very clear who runs that offense, and he will not be doing it here for the next 9 to 12 months, unfortunately. But bringing us back to the question that you presented me here just a few minutes ago, Wally, this Giants team, like like I said, coming off a three-game winning streak, is that your favorite over the Washington football team? Or who are you sticking with out of that division? Because let's be real here. No one gives a shit about the Bengals anymore. No one gives a shit about this division, but gives us something to talk about at least. Yeah, the NFC is as bad as the football is there. The fact that we have – this is one of the most exciting final months of a football division we've ever seen just because it truly is. If anybody can get the six wins, you'd think that might be enough. So all these teams have a realistic shot, and that's insane. But, yeah, there was a moment – and this week was so bizarre, man, where between Corona – between injuries, just some bad quarterback matchups coming in at some points. You just mentioned, yeah, Daniel Jones gets banged up. Colt McCoy comes in, and he faces off with Arkansas alum Brandon Allen. I forgot the guy existed, dude. That was such a bizarre matchup. Uh, Yeah, I don't think the Giants are my favorite. I'm going to go with what is effectively turning into the Washington Buckeyes. 
And I've, I've, I've got to keep going with the Chase Young. He's starting to make an impact there, eating up double teams. Scary Terry looks great. And Alex Smith looks, looks good again. And if you're a Bengal fan, man, all I can take away from this game is, however you pronounce it, Pinay Sewell, or Sewell, that junior tackle that opted out of the 20 season with Oregon to go to the NFL draft. This Bengals team set up right now to be the third pick in that draft. Quarterbacks are going one-two. If the Bengals just don't screw it up, these are the games. If you're a Bengal fan right now, you're thrilled. You're losing these competitive two-point games. You can kind of build that momentum with the defense going in next year and then in the offseason address the offensive line position because, holy shit, go figure. How did the game end in that on Sunday? You had Brandon Allen getting strip-sacked after a phenomenal punt return. So, yeah, if there's ever been – this is just – a terrible situation in Cincinnati, but this is the first micro steps to getting to where you need to be. So nobody panic, and the Giants suck. Washington is going to win the division. I should ask you, so as it sits, are you going Washington? Gun to your head, Washington is your pick. I have to, strictly because Danny Dimes is not going to be playing for what seems like the the rest of the season, if not maybe the last one or two games. So I'm going to have to go with the Washington football team on that one. That a boy. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Well, you know, and I just brought up bad quarterback matchups. We've never seen one like this next game. Never before, and I doubt we ever will again. This this is all of the makings of the NFL's incompetence, a team's lack of responsibility in handling the coronavirus uh, stipulations and rules right now. And then you pair that with a national pandemic, an international pandemic. And what do you get? You get Taysom Hill and Kendall Hinton to play a quarterback game against one another. Kendall Hinton, all the credit to that guy. He steps in. Yeah, he completed only one to nine passes, 13 yards and two picks. This is a game I'm not really even going to harp on it. And I'm not even going to ask you because I know your answer. We can't take anything out of this game. This is a once in a lifetime situation we'll never see something to this degree ever again and i guess the biggest question coming out of this is between this game where the saints won 31 to 3 in denver where there were 92 total passing yards which is the fewest in an nfl game since 1982 my question is between this matchup and the steelers ravens how is the league handling coronavirus right now and is there any way it's going to get better because Guess what? Surprise, surprise, the NFL is not showing any consistency. I don't think it will get any better because it's about to be that time of year again where people are not going to give a shit that this is happening and they're going to be with families. Trust me, I have people that I'm working with that went with their families and now they're testing for corona. They're going out in public. It's going to happen. Now, to answer your first question, is the NFL – how is the NFL doing? I think they're doing they're doing poorly and they're picking favorites. They made, they made this Denver team – with all of their quarterbacks still play this game. Yet when the Ravens had two running backs test positive, they kept pushing this game back to make sure that it lasted. Only because it was a 10-0 team against a 6-4 and team, potential of the Steelers' first loss, because it's a divisional game. But I, I feel like Roger Goodell looks at this and like, come on, with or without Drew Brees, the Broncos are going to lose this. Just fucking play the game. I don't think that they're they're not distributing the love equally. And I think it's very clear that they're playing favorites right now. 
because we've seen it. They've they've been moving games. This was the first game with results like this that they haven't moved when typically they're moving games around when this is happening. Allah, Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore Ravens game. But like 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 what I'm assuming Goodell is doing. I agree. Fuck it. Who cares? Denver, you fucking suck. You're not going to make the playoffs. You're definitely not even going to be. You're battling for the third place in your division. And you're probably going to lose that to the Chargers. If I was them, take the L. Let's get in better position to draft and kind of go from there. So, whatever. Fuck Denver. No, I completely agree. And you're right. I do believe that the reason this decision happened is for the same reason you just said. Where it's, oh, the Broncos, they're dead in the water. Who cares? They're going to lose this game anyways. Make them play. But then you you see other games where I know that I always bring it back to the Raiders. I love to do that. But like earlier in the year when the Raiders were matched up with the Buccaneers, the Raiders had a bunch of positive tests early in the week. What did they do? Instead of pushing it back, they pull it from prime time, and they actually make them play during the day. So you're losing even more time. There's been no consistency. The NFL seems like it always does to be reacting opposed to being proactive. And I don't know what to say anymore about it. I'd be pissed if I was a Steeler fan. And I was ripping them up last week. I'm like, hey, COVID's hitting everybody. We we have to make concessions. We have to make concessions. How do I say the word concession? We have to make concessions. And they did. But then it just kept being pushed back. It felt like they were just trying to get Lamar or these running backs back in the game. And oh, I won't harp any more about it, but the NFL has got a lot of problems with how they're handling it. And I don't think it's going to get any better either. I think that's very well said. Now we're going to transition over now instead now. We are now going to transition to a fellow team in the AFC North. The Cleveland Browns went to Duval and struggled. They struggled bad, which is not something I expected. They they win the game 27-25. If there wasn't a third and 12 conversion by arguably the best back in the NFL right now, Nick Chubb, there's a very good chance the Jaguars get the ball back with a chance to win this game. But, hey, credit where credit's due. The Browns have eight-plus wins for the first time in 2007, and this is the first time since 1994 that the Browns have been five games over 500. I know that we don't really think that they're contenders, Stephen, but it's exciting and I'm happy for Browns fans. What what were your takeaways in this? And uh, are you going to just just take it at this point of the season? A W's a W. Move on. Get ready for next week. Yeah, the Browns are winners of three straight. They have definitely won their fair share of sloppy games over that, and even lost one to your Oakland Raiders. I'm sorry, Vegas Raiders. So they've been. They've been doing pretty decent. There's nothing that's standing out outside of Nick Chubb is obviously the key component for that offense. 144 yards and a touchdown, obviously picking up that third and 12 that you were just saying. Nick Chubb is just the absolute heartbeat of this team. Baker Mayfield, 19 of 29, 258 and two touchdowns. Doesn't turn it over. That's all you want for Baker right now. So this team, this team is interesting. It's obviously a run-first offense. The Jaguars are surprisingly keeping it very competitive. I can't even dog the Browns about barely squeaking out a win against them. The Packers barely squeaked out a win against them two weeks ago. But when the Browns. The, oh, sorry. Oh, you go ahead. That's go, on, my go, on, go on, go on, go on, go on. I was just going to say, the, I sorry to interrupt you, Stephen, but crazy enough in this game, I, it was one of those games with the Baker Mayfield factor. Weather was finally good. And you got to see him make a few throws where you're like, oh, my God. That's a throw maybe one or two other quarterbacks in the league can make. 
And then you get to see he has a gimme touchdown in in the second half that he just completely missed. Wide open, wide receiver. I'm not panicked one way or another. He just goes to show Baker Mayfield needs to be more consistent than he has been. But, man, you can also take it the other way. There are some flashes that you should get you really excited as a Browns fan. And for the first time in forever, you have a decent football team. Maybe press pause on panicking left and right like half of you want to do. Well, now their schedule is pretty tough down the stretch. They're eight, they are eight and three right now. They still have to play the Titans. They got to play the Ravens again, and they got to play the Steelers. The Ravens obviously are kind of on their downfall right now, but they always give Cleveland some problems. And I would even mark the Giants out either. The Giants are playing in two weeks. That's a ninth-ranked defense in the league with a top five rushing defense as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that the Giants are going to, you know, straight up beat Cleveland. I'm saying there should definitely be a question mark next to it, and that's going to be a closer game than a lot of people are going to give that credit for. And I'm very interested to see what that spread is going to be. But the biggest thing, hands down, two and zero with Miles Garrett out of the lineup, and then you have him back healthy and rested, which is scary as shit when you're defending him. They got the Titans here next week. We'll obviously be getting to that a little bit later on. But while we're on the subject of the Titans, they went up to Indy and avenged the loss from two weeks ago and absolutely just spanked the Colts. They've actually beaten them three of the last four times. And Derrick Henry, who I am still going to vouch for, I look like a fucking genius, my MVP, and he will be the MVP, going off for 178, three touchdowns, all three of those scores in the first half. Well, the most impressive thing was A.J. Brown returning an onside kick for a touchdown just to, just to put the icing on the cake to fuck you for trying to even have this onside kick. I'm just going to return it to the crib. The Colts looked like a uh, Pop Warner team against the Titans after completely embarrassing the Green Bay Packers a week prior. So, Wally, is it clear that the Titans are taking this division and running with it, pun intended, or do the Colts still have a chance? I definitely think the Colts have a chance. It's easy, and we do it as football fans. We all do it. We have very short-term memories. But this Titans team, they were falling apart a few weeks ago. And it's important to remember, too, this Colts team, since week one, they're 7-3. and Yeah, they've lost a couple games that are tough. Who have they lost to? They lost to the Browns, a playoff team. They lost against the Ravens, which is a French playoff team. Assuming, you know, you get a little help and Lamar's healthy again. Then you listen to the Titans right in the mix as well. This team is beating bad teams. Yeah, they're struggling with good ones. They're a lot like the Browns in that regard. But yeah, I I don't think it's over quite yet. It's all going to come down to is, like last year, if the Titans can manage to run the ball as effectively as they have, they will win the division. But it's more for me on what the Titans do than what the Colts do. I think down the stretch, you're going to get what you kind of expect from the Colts. I think they'll probably sweep uh, Houston. I think I'd have them lose against Pittsburgh, and I'd probably have them lose against the Raiders. And I think they'd finish somewhere in that neighborhood of 10-6. and And in most years, that's good enough. We'll see this year if it is. The Chargers traveled to Buffalo this last weekend and ended up being in one of the worst beats I can remember seeing in the NFL If you had money on the Chargers to cover this game, I feel so bad for you. They tried everything in their physical power not to score from four downs, goal to goal, goal to go at the end of the game, and somehow avoided the end zone. Bill still managed to cover and just 
just brutal, man. I felt so bad for them. But yeah, for the Bills, pretty good team. We've known it. I, I, I'm not as high as Steven is, but it does look like Steven's going to be right. Yeah, Miami's in Week 17, potentially could have weight on the division title. I don't think it will get to that point. I think the Bills win it before that point. What was your takeaways in this game? And what do the Chargers have to do to start winning games that are close? Well, that's something we'll not have to worry about until about next year. That's going to be a head coaching change for the Chargers to be able to win those those close games. That's always, always an indication that you need to move on to the next coach because it felt like, what, one or two years ago? I would even go back further. A few years ago, they were still having this problem with Phillip Rivers. Then once they got Anthony Lynn, they went on a little bit of a run here two years ago, and they were able to be on the other side of that. And now they're back on this side. So I think it, it would be a coaching change. Get a new young coordinator coach in there with Justin Herbert and build with him. Other than that, there's really nothing too much to look into this game. The Bills, the Bills are playing the Bills ball right now. Their defense isn't what we're expecting of from the last few years, but they're getting it done because Josh Allen is taking that leap that you already patted me on the back for, but I'm going to do it as well, that I was already calling for that third year. Even though he only had 157 passing yards in this game, adding 32 rushing yards and a touchdown, nothing special here. But number one thing I want to take away from this game, Justin Herbert, that was his sixth game of over 300 yards. That ties the rookie record from Andrew Luck that was set back in 2012. So he's got five games to be able to break it and even extend it. But outside of that, the the Bills won. It's a bad beat. The Chargers are the Chargers of this year, losing by more than a possession, which is not like them. But the Bills are going to going to start rolling here, and that can be a very scary team to face once uh, mid January rolls around. Speaking of rolling around, Wally's Vegas Raiders decided to roll down to Atlanta, get bent over. Arthur Blank's knee and absolutely spanked. I mean, my goodness. This is the most points that the Falcons have scored since 2016. 43 points. Wally, I know you said your Raiders team defense was this bad, but this bad? And I know you said it was a bad matchup, but this bad of a matchup? I'll stop laying into you the mics all yours. So this is weird, first of all. This is one of those things where... Well, thank you for not taking a bereavement day today, bud. You know how everybody that watches their team, they pick up on the tendencies and weird kind of, not traditions, but weird things that seem to happen to that team year in and year out. This was one of those situations coming off of the Chiefs loss that the Raiders looked incredible in. Everybody was talking the Raiders up the entire week. Is this Raiders team a dark horse to come out of the AFC? Do, does this Raiders team have the Chiefs number? No one in America besides every single Raiders fan saw this coming. Every year it feels like the Raiders are due to travel out east at this part of the year. Ironically, this exact same weekend last year, the Raiders went to Meadowlands to play the Jets and lost 34-3. to This is such a weird habit this team gets into at this point of the year. And here's the crazy thing. I thought the defense played halfway decent on Sunday. It was the offense, which has been all but perfect this year, did not show up. Josh Jacobs, I think, had the worst game of his entire career. He had a terrible fumble, a terrible penalty, uh, deciding not to lower his shoulder and get a first down, a fourth down, all in the first quarter, set the tone for the game. Derek Carr got pressured through a pick six. Very uncharacteristic of him this year. It was just a gross situation. I mean, Nathan Peterman was playing – 
early in the fourth quarter to give you an idea of how bad it was. And Steven, you and a bunch of my buddies kept texting me throughout the game. Don't worry, buddy. This is Atlanta. You're going to come back. And I did not say a word to any of you because I was so disgusted and I knew what was going to happen beforehand. And I got to be frank with you guys. The four o'clock games in that night game are a little fuzzy still because I punished my liver right after that game. And it was just a brutal day. I, I, I really have nothing positive to take away from this except for everybody saying the Raiders playoff hopes are dead because of one game. You're an idiot. Raiders are going to get the Jets next week. I don't see a world that the Jets could find a way to beat that Raiders team. If they do, I might quit the podcast outright. But they'll get they'll get right this weekend, and we'll reevaluate after the Raiders beat the Jets and they enter into the last quarter of the season. You, well, you seem pretty Jets. confident that the Raiders are going to just catch that W in Meadowlands against the Jets, but heh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not. Uh, I'm going to go with the Jets on that one, just to fuck with you. But we're gonna we're gonna check it out, Wes. The Niners absolutely stunning the LA Rams. Trust me, I was not happy. I, I had the LA Rams in a teaser plus half a point. Still fucking lost for me. But the Niners, Kyle Shanahan still got his boys playing, regardless of who's playing at that position. Nick Mullins putting up 252, just one interception, but Jared Goff, two interceptions. You know he had a costly fumble. And you just you can't lose games like this down the stretch heading into the playoffs, especially when the division seemingly looks like it's wide open. So I'll leave you with this, Wally. Is Jared Goff the problem on this Rams team from keeping them from the Super Bowl? Yeah, see – I'm not very high on Jared Goff. We talked about that a lot last week. He really doesn't do too much for me. The team really doesn't have too many other holes, so you have to wonder where would you place blame? And right now it's got to be with that massive contract over there and with Jared Goff. And that's unfair to him because he is an average quarterback, and I think average is good enough to win a Super Bowl if you have the perfect team around you. You got to see him almost do it several years ago. So I'm not going to be like, panic, let's go and tear this guy down. Let's get out of this situation, get a new quarterback. It would take the perfect storm for that to happen with the money going on. Uh, and then otherwise, you said something that we've been doing this show for 13 weeks now. I don't know if I've ever agreed more. When you started by giving credit to Kyle Shanahan, because people, it's so easy when a team is doing really well to give coaches credit. In a year like this for San Francisco – where since that second week where they got crippled by the Jets in that awful field up there, the Niners had every reason to quit and completely roll over this year. And Kyle Shanahan has them playing hard. He has them with no offense competing with teams like this that, like you said, this is a Super Bowl contender in the Rams. And if the Niners are able to do this right now still on the road, I don't care. There's no fans. It's still tough. I, I, it's been a phenomenal coaching job, and he just keeps going higher and higher on my list of favorite coaches in the NFL. He's phenomenal, outstanding, and I, I really don't know what else to say about this game. Just a tremendous job by the Niners. Rams aren't dead. Just a matter of now who's going to 
win the NFC West. Steven, I do see you calling me over. So what else do you want to add real quick? He's doing a very Mike Tomlin coaching job as he did last year. The only difference mm-hmm. is he has to play in the toughest division in football. So it's not going to shine as much. He's at the bottom of the division at five and six, and the rest are seven to eight win teams. Kyle Shanahan is doing a great job, and we should be scared. I know I am as an NFC fan and as a Packers fan, I am so fucking scared that they are still doing this well with all the injuries, that they're only going to be that more dangerous with a top 15 pick, top 16 pick. And they have another first rounder coming to them from a trade they had earlier this year. So this team is only going to get better, and I fucking hate it. All I have to say is do not let Kyle Shanahan get a good quarterback. If Kyle Shanahan gets a good quarterback, look out. That team's already a problem, and now they're probably going to lose some key pieces on that coaching staff. At the end of the year, there's already rumors that they have people in that building that are going to have head coaching job offers elsewhere. We'll see how that affects them. But if they get a quarterback, the Niners are immediately a Super Bowl favorite, just like that. But you're going to go right away from one uh, fantastic coach, arguably top five in is in my book, to two other phenomenal coaches, Andy Reid and Bruce Arians here, in what was the game of the week. And what are the games of the year so far, as least in, far, or, or in terms of excitement leading up into a matchup? The Chiefs win. They, they, they hold off Tampa Bay in a, in a little bit of a fierce uh, comeback attempt later in the game. That's not before Tyreek Hill absolutely dummied the American people. Over 200 yards, two touchdowns in the first quarter. What? Like, that's just so dumb. Ended up 13 catches, 269 yards, three touchdowns. Genuinely remarkable. I don't know what else to say. Mahomes, he keeps shocking us by just continuing to be this phenomenal quarterback. I guess the biggest takeaway for me before I ask you the question is, I'm starting to just think Tampa Bay is not as good as we thought. That defense, we knew there were holes in the past, D. Their offense, back-to-back weeks, yeah, they, they came back a little bit later when the defense was a little softer, was playing a little more comfortable with the lead. But that's back-to-back weeks. That offense has looked bad. And there's been times earlier in this year where they struggled. To get, they struggled on a Thursday night game against the Bears, lost that game. So it's a Buccaneers team that has either – Feast or famine mentality and gameplay on Sundays. And I, I just don't really believe at this point that they're going to make a very deep run at all in the postseason like myself and many others thought going into this year. So I guess my question for you is what was your takeaways from this game? And what if you're a Bucks fan, 1-10, to 10, where's the panic at? So I w- I've always been high in the Bucks this year, and you've always – you haven't been high. So don't say – I'll. I'll bite the bullet on here. Don't say we. I have been high. You're the one who's always been trying to talk me off this ledge, and now I'm obviously seeing it. This Tampa Bay team is just not what we were expecting. But at the same time, it's what we should be expecting. When has there ever been a conglomerate of talent like this that's ever succeeded? The number one thing that sticks out to you is the dream team, as I'm putting quotations, for the Philadelphia Eagles that Vince Young donned it as the backup quarterback. Panic button. I'd say at about a six or a seven right now. Mm-hmm. The New Orleans Saints are are two and zero without Drew Brees as their starting quarterback. They don't seem to slow down, and that defense is playing scary. And I don't have to tell that to Tampa Bay because that defense is shutting Tom Brady and that offensive and that offense down every single time. So the panic should be very high. I was 
like I was saying, you're talking me off the ledge. I've always been very high. The defense, number one defense right now. Sure, Tom Brady has all these weapons. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, A.B., Gronk, Rojo, Leonard Fournette, if you ever want to use him. It's just simply not It's just not going to get done. A.B. is not what you were thinking he was going to be, and this team is just simply not going to have it this year. Now, don't forget, we have him for another year. So this year may not be it, but potentially next year is going to be when he gets it all together. For now, Tampa Bay is nothing but a wild card team that is going to win one game, somehow face the Saints again for the third time. The Saints are going to embarrass them. Saints Seahawks NFC Championship game. That's all to be said. Well, I appreciate that, Steven. Yeah, I, I just wasn't, I guess, going into this year. I'm not super high, but yeah, I definitely expected them still to win a playoff game. So I think we're we're both meeting in the middle a little bit of where the expectations need to be, uh, which is weird because we're nowhere near the middle of meeting where expectations need to be in this next game. Your Green Bay Packers at home just completely dummied the Chicago Bears. It was never as close as this fourth quarter made it look with the Bears outscoring the Packers 15-0 in the fourth. This was a 41-10 game in the second half. The Packers outclassed them. The Bears are dead. They're, they're literally no benefits to this season at this point now. Is the division on ice at this point? And at what point? Yeah, the statistical game wasn't amazing for you guys, but you're doing what you have to do in these kind of games right now. You're winning them, and now you're what? You're up uh, three games over the second-place Bears and the second-place Vikings team. So this is over. you got to feel pretty good about yourself this day. I do and I don't. I told you Green Bay, Green Bay was going to win this division, and that's basically their peak outside of maybe one playoff game that they win. But, yeah, the division's wrapped up for Green Bay. I wish that we knew the news that Mr. Brisky was starting for the Bears before we made our predictions because right when I found out Mitch was starting, I would have put my life savings on this game. Eight and a half, don't care. I'll, I would have moved it up to 12 and a half. Obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, but it was it was a great, great team win. My number one thing that came out of it, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams combining for 34 carries, 163 yards and a touchdown. Against that front seven, I'll take that. Granted, Hakeem Nix was not starting, but if you got Khalil Mack in there and you got those linebackers of Danny Trevathan and um, you still have Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan as your linebackers, those are some scary people. But this is just a classic Packers just beating up on the division. I'm not looking too much into it. Aaron Rodgers with only 211 yards passing, only eight incompletions before touchdowns with that. So I'll take it. It's a good confidence-building game. Green Bay's got a couple tough games here coming up. So I'll take this. Green Bay's got it. They've got it wrapped up. They've had it wrapped up. Literally, since the Bears were 5-1, and one, I was telling you, Wally, let's let's check back around the Week 10, Week 11, Week 12 area. We'll see how the Bears are doing. And they're doing fucking dog shit. I love it, Adam Alfonso. I absolutely love it. Uh, I know you always dog shit me that – Wait till my time. Well, I will wait for my time for the Packers to suck. But for now, they're whooping your fucking Bears ass, getting their 100th win in the rivalry. That's all I got to say. But take a rivalry to the skies.
the birds aren't real Super Bowl. The Seahawks go to what Wally claims as the worst seed in America. It is. I love It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, so I at least think it's the second worst city well, in you America. Know, you know how shitty Philly is? Is they don't film that in Philadelphia. They're a joke. Everything about them is a joke. Now, Wally, obviously we know the Seahawks. They're doing – they're starting to come together. That defense is starting to come together, most importantly, and only throwing one pass. This Eagles offense clearly has no idea what they want to do, and I think it may be that time to turn over to Jalen Hurts fully and take Carson Wentz out. But the most important thing that stuck out to me in this game is the Seahawks defense. They have allowed 564 total yards the past two games when this team is has been averaging 414 total yards given up all year. So this defense is scary. So I'll, I'll pose you with this question, Wally. Is Carson Wentz needed to be benched in Philadelphia? And is he done, potentially? And with the sudden emergence the past two games with this Seahawks defense, are they now going to be not my favorite, but your favorite out of the NFC West and NFC altogether. Yeah, I'll start with the Carson Wentz stuff first here. It's really a difficult question when you are asking about benching a quarterback like Carson Wentz, who is making the kind of money that he is now making. If you cannot unload that contract, then you're kind of just stuck looking at dead money for a period of time here, unless you want to continue to just Charge him out there and cut your nose off to spite your face. If you are in the school of thought of thinking that this is as good as it gets, it does not matter how much it hurts, the Eagles need to part ways with him. It's a matter of how that happens. If they believe Jalen Hurts is the actual long-term solution, who knows? But you might see them hold on longer than they want to purely because of that money he signed for. Either way, the Eagles are in a big, big-time hurting spot right now. And you can still find Eagle fans that are just like, if we can just get in the playoffs, who knows with this team, with this recent history, with this recent resume. And that's the problem, is the toxic thinking has sunk down in their head already that that is feasible with a team like this. This team's done, even if they slip into the playoffs immediately. Yeah. The Seahawks. And oh, like go I ahead. said, like they, well, they, won the play, they won the Super Bowl like three years ago, and they're just like grabbing onto that. Well, you never know what they could do in this offseason. Well, I don't think you know. Because Carson Wentz can never fucking play in the offseason because he's usually hurt by now. Yeah, that's the thing, too, that it's so easy to forget that Carson Wentz wasn't the, the freaking quarterback in that playoff run to get them to the or to win that Super Bowl either. But, yeah, they're holding on to it and really hopeful that they can make a little magic happen. I just don't think it's feasibly possible with how bad this roster is right now. It's time to stop blaming the wide receivers. Their quarterback's not getting it done. You asked me, though. For the Seahawks, are they now my favorite in the NFC West? The short answer is yes. They were my favorite going into last week. And I just we we made the comments and the observation that the defense is finally playing better. Jamal Adams had a really good week. Nine tackles, eight solo, a sack, a tackle for a loss, and two more quarterback hits. Yeah, I know the numbers don't look great, but Dunlap had an impact too. Two tackles, uh, a half a sack, another quarterback hit. When the defense is starting to look halfway decent, And yeah, I get that the Eagles can make any defense look halfway decent right now. But this Seahawks team is a legitimate Super Bowl threat, not only to come out of, but who knows, if the defense can even play halfway decent, you give them a shot against anybody else in the league. So we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. 
But as of right now, Seahawks my NFC West favorites. The Eagles are dead in the water. I don't give a shit if they're half a game out or not. But let's keep it in the air and keep it out West. The Arizona Cardinals, who traveled to New England, blow an early 10-0 lead to the New England Patriots after Zane Gonzalez misses a potential game-winning field goal. Man, oh, man, this game was ugly. Cardinals have lost three of the last four, and that one win that they had was a Hail Mary to DeAndre Hopkins at the buzzer against the Buffalo Bills. We cannot seem to get a read on this Arizona Cardinals team. This Patriots team seems to be staying alive, beating the Baltimore Ravens fully loaded, unlike the Pittsburgh Steelers, as well as one of the hottest offense in the NFL. So, Wally, who is more likely to make the playoffs, New England Patriots or the Arizona Cardinals? Uh, I would say the Cardinals simply because of how much deeper the AFC is. The Pats would have to do all but win out down the stretch, and I don't think that they have the 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 wheels to do that right now. Yeah, it was kind of tough, though, if you're a Cardinals fan. Yet again, it's been more uh, inconsistent play from this team. They've lost three of four now, and all of a sudden we have to ask ourselves, did we once again put too much stock in some of these wins earlier in the year? I, I don't know about this team. It's another one where it feels like we expect so much already from Kyler Murray because of how impressed we've been that sometimes I think we forget that he's so young and he has so much more to get better at and improve upon. Eventually he will. It just hasn't happened yet. Pats, yeah, Cam Newton kind of looked like shit. Only 9 of 18, 84 yards, two uh, interceptions. It was just a, it was a weird game. Yeah, Cam throws a pick. The, the Cardinals move down the field. Chance to hit a long field goal to win it. They miss it. Pats go right down. Give Nick full a shot. He drills it. Now we're having this awkward discussion about two five or a five and six team and a six and five team. We don't know what to do with. Yeah, this um, this Cardinals team we we cannot get a gauge on. Like how many times have we said this during this? Right when we're hopping off, they're starting to get hot. Right when they hop on, they're starting to get cold. I simply can't get a read on this, and they're the most annoying team. But let's wrap it up here on the on the recap. We were already alluding to it earlier that we were watching it. Steelers and Ravens. That drama is finally over. They decided for a 340 kickoff today, Wednesday, December 2nd. That's right. We record on Wednesday, not Thursday. And the Steelers end up winning an extremely ugly game, 19 to 14. An RG3 slash. I didn't, who the fuck was that other dude? Trace McSorley, baby. Penn State. Oh. Penn State alum. Yeah, most people on here are, are OSU or Big Ten people, so they don't know who that is. But that to the rave that RG three was running the offense for the most part. Trace McSwirly, which I, that cannot be a real name. That sounds like some. That sounds like a character I have in Candyland. Doesn't matter. He ends up throwing his lone touchdown in the NFL to Hollywood Brown. Doesn't matter. Nineteen to fourteen, the Steelers win. With all these recently close games or not as dominant games as as we think the Steelers should be having, should this be the biggest question mark out of all these games? See, this is another situation. And unfortunately, while we've started recording, there looks to be news that Bud Dupree tore his ACL, which means he is out for the year. All of a sudden, that Pittsburgh defensive line is not nearly as intimidating as it was. They're still a very good team. The defense did all but perfect today. Uh, they gave up uh, their first touchdown after a muff punt put them deep in their own territory, uh, or their defense deep in their own territory. And McSorley had a kind of a fluky touchdown pass at the end of the game that 
didn't mean much unless you had money on the game, which then all of a sudden it meant a lot. But yeah, the Ravens, this is a game you throw out purely because you don't have Lamar Jackson, but it it's a game you throw out if you're a coach, but it's unfortunately going to potentially weigh very heavy on their playoff odds at the end of the year. We'll see if that matters. The Steelers, who knows? This is a, it was in a very encouraging offensive game, but the Ravens always play this team tough, and that defense, the Ravens' defense is very good. If anything, I keep preaching it. I want to see more Anthony McFarlane from the Steelers. I want to see the running game get any kind of juice out of it right now, and this team could win a Super Bowl. But I think the offense needs to do something differently if they expect to overcome a Kansas City Chiefs in the postseason. So what was your big takeaway in this game? And I mean, just a brutally ugly game. It it makes sense. It was a Steelers-Raven game. This is what we grow accustomed to with these two teams playing. So all year, and and I know I've repeated myself quite often that the Steelers play to the competition. Sorry, they the Steelers play to the level of their competition. But in this case, it's Big Ben kind of being on his decline. But that defense is so good that it doesn't even look like that. That defense is so scary. They have enough wide receivers that are collected around them that Big Ben can literally just throw to anyone and and they can make a play happen. This defense, or I'm sorry, this team isn't as scary as te- as normal Steelers teams in the past, but this, just that vibe of this team is so much different than what we're used to in the past. <laughs> I think the Steelers team is a lot more dangerous than we're giving them credit for, and this is a team to watch out in the AFC outside of the Chiefs. And outside of the Raiders playing the Chiefs. No offense, bud. You're right. It ain't hurt my feelings any. This is a show for realists. There you go. There you go. So that will that will wrap us up with the recap of this game. So I have to ultimately bring bring this to you. Out of all the games that we just recapped from last week, which one stuck out to you the most? Obviously, we had different opinions of what stuck out to us in certain games. What was the game that you looked at and you thought of a team differently, even pot, or you thought of a team differently if that's even positively or negatively? And also, I'm watching Kelly Clarkson do her Christmas Eve right now with like a, a light purple shadow on her eyes, and she looks horrible. But her ex husband's getting the bag right now. Well, here's the deal the reason why we're not watching the Steelers Ravens game right now is because of this purple face Kelly Clarkson that is up here doing the Rockefeller what Christmas tree idea, which is crazy enough that the NFL lost to a tree. So take that for what you will. But yeah, for your you're asking they're, pot, hey, hey, they're all hey, they all on trees in the NFL anyway. It doesn't matter. Hey, that's true. Hey, but we weren't a lot on trees until a few years ago in the NFL. People forget. But pot, I'm gonna give you a real quick from both sides. I'm gonna give you a positive and a negative very quickly. Uh positive takeaways for me, Minnesota, I know Carolina did about 18 things wrong in that game, but in the final six, seven minutes, both sides of the ball had a complete game. Only issue for them is they muffed a punt. That almost cost them it, but Kirk Cousins had a real, you like that moment on Sunday, driving down the field and winning the game. I thought that was phenomenal. Two just consecutive drives, uh, scoring drives. And then you want to take a negative away, Tampa Bay. I think that this weekend it just proved that how far away they are from the best teams in the league. Remove the famous sexy names all you want, but they're just not that good. 
were there do you have any uh different positive or negatives give me a quick one of each for you i want to hear yours now so my positives for this week i know we were talking about it earlier but the niners i think that's the biggest positive from this week that is going to be a real team for the next minimum decade to come with it with a win like that against a rams team that is clearly going to at worst finish second in that division Hell, at worst, may finish second in the whole conference. For them to get a win like that, that's very positive. It shows that that coach knows how to make those those players play, and you don't you don't come across a coach like that, like a um, you know, look at the coaches like a Matt Rule or a Joe Judge who are in their rookie seasons, and they got the Panthers like you were like you were saying during the segment, as well as the Giants. They got they have no credibility in this league, and they're still putting up still getting these people to put up effort. And for the Niners, I think that's a huge positive. And for the next decade, they're going to be – it's going to be them and Russ. My negative, I'll have to agree with you, Wally, is Tampa Bay. I was very high in Tampa Bay, especially with uh, Tom Brady being there, and they are just not hitting the stride as consistent as I thought as I thought they were going to. This just is not the year for them. They're trying to just put way too many chefs in the kitchen right now. And it's just not working. It feels like you're putting six Gordon Ramsay's in the kitchen, and then you're surprised that they're butting heads. So Tampa Bay, this is a negative one, and they just simply can't beat good teams. Outside, they beat. I would even say Green Bay is a good team, but they smoke Green Bay. They also lost to the Chicago Bears, who are ass. They barely beat the New York Giants on Monday night, and they cannot beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And the New Orleans Saints, most importantly. Probably two of their toughest matches that they will be facing on the road to a Super Bowl. Those are my most negative negative takeaways. Oh, yeah. Sorry not to change the subject too much here. I know this is a football podcast, but I know we're both Hoops fans a little bit, so I had to bring this up. While we've been recording this, we've got a little bit of a woge bomb out there. Houston agreed to trade Russell Westbrook to Washington for John Wall in a first-round pick, which it's just so crazy that we're at this point where I, – I mean, I can still remember – what, in high school 10 years ago, doing the John Wall dance, he, remembering that damn song, he was going to change everything, and now we're trading him and a first for Mr. Brick, Ball Hog, Russell Westbrook. So kind of, to me, both sides of this is a loser, but you're more of the basketball fan, Steve, and I'll let you go ahead and say something about it. Houston's the winner, but John Wall's been out this past year, year and a half, so it's really hard to dictate. As a Carolina boy, this is the high school basketball athlete that we can cling to. John Wall went to a private high school about 15, 20 minutes away from me. And he was just the man. This was the peak Kentucky recruiting class. Out of the 12 McDonald's All-Americans, Kentucky would have five of them. And John Wall was one of the first people that started that. One of my very good friends at that time, her boyfriend is in the front row of the little, I don't know, they're standing on like the cinder blocks or whatever the sh- whatever the fuck that shit is in downtown Raleigh doing the John Wall. One of my best friends, boyfriends at the time is in that video. Facing there, I was like, holy shit, that is him right there. And that was spring break in high school. That was the fucking jam to play. So I'm pumped. Uh, Houston definitely got the best deal out of that, especially if they can keep James Harden. John Wall and James Harden there would be a, a lot of fun. It's either that's going to be a great couple or this is just the sign of John Wall getting – or uh, I'm sorry. Or this is just the sign of James Harden is getting out. They're going to get another star there, and they're just completely revamping 
that offense in the face of Houston. So I'm this is gonna be so much fucking fun. Houston needs something like this, especially after the football season they just had. And I can't even think of what else they what else they'd get hyped for. It, I don't know. It, Case Keenum twelve years ago. Yeah, I was more or less just bummed <laughs> out because obviously without Pittsburgh having a professional team, I've always kind of just rooted for the Cavs since families from Cleveland and all. And there were rumors that the Cavs were in the talks to get Russell Westbrook. And that would have been at least fun because the Cavs are such a joke now that I would have at least had reason to tune games back in. But who knows? We'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll go back to football now. Had to just go with that segue once we get a Woj bong there. But, Steven, you know what time it is now. It's time to get to the gambling portion of the show. And I will be providing this lines right away. I'll let you decide if you want to use your book or if you want to ride with the Pittsburgh's FanDuel experience here. As we know, legal gambling here in PA allows me to be the happiest man on earth. And I'll just well, start. See, that's why I want to. That's why I want to use my book. Most of the people that are outside of the legalized gambling states are going to have to use bookies. So I'll pull my book up, and I'm ready whenever you are, Walter. That's perfect. I'm going off these. I picked these up earlier today. If they change, they've probably changed by half a point or something like that. But anyways, we'll start and we'll be going right now. The Bengals are traveling to Miami. Miami is an 11-point favorite to this point. I haven't seen it, it, how the situation going with Tua, if he's starting or not. Either way, I don't think it's going to affect too much. I'm going to just jump right into it and say it. I think the Dolphins win this game. I think they win it easy and they cover the Bengals are a mess right now. Only 155 yards last week. Without Joey Burrow, it's very clear this team is not going to be winning any more games the rest of the year. And here's the thing. If you're a Bengal fan, that's a good thing. Enjoy losing. Just hope that you have some bright signs going forward. But Miami covers minus 11 and wins outright. Steven, you're up. 11 is a lot of points for me to give confidence in Miami and either a Ryan Fitzpatrick or a Tua Tungla-Viola-led team. But without Joe Burrow being there, yeah, it's a it's hard it's hard to bet for the Bengals. But I'm gonna keep I'm gonna just take the less riskiest bet, and I'm just gonna go Miami money line, which I have at minus six hundred in my book. I'm not gonna touch the double digits on teams like this. Miami, who has barely proven proven themselves, and a Cincinnati Bengals team that kept it fairly close against a Giants team last week. I get it. The Giants are not the Miami Dolphins, but you never know. The Miami Dolphins could be shit in the bed this week just like we saw seattle do against them just like we saw san francisco do against this dolphins team so i'm gonna go with dolphins money line at minus 600 and i'm not touching anything else i i think minus 600 yeah while that's a very bad value i mean it feels about as close to a, a guaranteed win as possible and hey you throw 100 100 bones down on it you're gonna be getting 15 to 20 bucks coming back your way i think that's a good uh parlay like, oh, let me add one more team on here. Yeah, you know, I'm going to add Miami. I want to take it straight up. That's a parlay play all day. Yeah, if you're going to do something like that, that's a very safe thing. You also have Kansas City at 13 and a half. Remember that later on the road as well. Now, the Browns are going to Tennessee in what is a very important game for the AFC wildcard picture. The Titans, to me, this was surprising. I, I'm interested to hear what you think. But the Titans are five and a half point favorites. I feel like a lot of points especially when you consider how hot the Browns have been. I know that the weather situation week in, week out is a, is a conversation piece. But either way, you have to win the football game still. I think I'm going to take the Browns to cover this game. But I think that 
No, you know what? I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm taking the Browns to win this game outright. So not only do they cover plus five and a half, I think the Browns are going to win this game. I I don't know what it is. I think that if they, I think the Browns are going to be able to at least slow up Derrick Henry, which might turn into the best running back matchup of the entire year. Derrick Henry versus the two-headed monster in Cleveland. I'm going to take the Browns to win. Cover, blah, blah, blah. Owl outright. Browns are for real. Let's see. Let's see. Big game coming. I don't know where all this confidence came from all of a sudden, Walter. You've been very wishy-washy with this team, but all of a sudden you're taking them against the Titans, who we've been very high on. I'm taking Tennessee minus six all day. I have them at minus six on my book. I'm going to wait for that to drop a little bit. That's going to go to like a four and a half, five, five and a half. Well, four and a half, five range. I'm taking that all day. But for now, I'm even going to stick with the Titans minus six. I'm not going to bet against Derrick Henry, who I think is the MVP, even over my guy, Aaron Rodgers. So I'm going Titans minus six. I'm sorry, Brownie fans. I've been backing up here the last couple weeks, and I'm turning my back on you this week. Yeah, that's one of those instances where it's less that I'm high on the Browns. It's that if I'm wishy-washy on the Browns, I am like five times more concerned about what the Titans are, what they actually are there, but we'll see how that goes. Now to a couple other dumpster fires in the NFC North. Your your buddies here. The Detroit Lions are traveling to Chicago. Somehow, some way, didn't think we'd hear this the rest of the year. The Chicago Bears are favored. They are favored in this game to win by three points. I, I, I'm going to do it once again here. I don't know where the confidence is coming from, from the boys in Vegas, or I guess in this case, the boys in PA. But I'm going to take the Lions to win this game outright. This is yet again a situation of I'm not high on the Lions. I'm just this low on the Bears. I think the Lions go in there, win, cover, and and I don't I, – I think there's a chance you see the Lions win this game by two scores. Wally, I could not disagree more. This is a, a divisional game. I said game. what I said. In my div- whatever in my division, if this was a if this was a check it out AFC West division, then I come talk to you. But it's not. This is my this is in a uh, my wheelhouse. These games are always close, except for the one last week. What's up, Adam? I have Chicago winning this game minus three. I think that their D line is going to get back to it especially if Akeem Hicks is going to be able to play this game. That man is a fucking problem. Man is a absolute problem. And it's funny. No one realized how much of a problem he was until Khalil Mack came. And then people are like, hey, this uh, this guy knows how to kind of stuff the run here. So if Akeem Hicks is playing Chicago minus three all day, Detroit's offense hasn't done anything, especially these last couple weeks, that would make me confident in taking them. So I'm going to take Chicago here. Bury the Lions, make sure they get last place. That's all I have for this game. Let's transition over here down to Houston. The Colts are traveling there in their first of two matchups with the Texans here in the next three weeks. Very important games all of a sudden. The Colts are only three-point favorites going on the road, but Houston is without Will Fuller. Very big deal. We'll see how the line goes. If that's reflected in Steven's line, it probably will be. At this moment, I have the Colts at minus three, and I would take them at minus three. I think they'd win a game somewhere in the neighborhood of that 24 to 20, 24, 17. But either way, Colts are going to win that game, and they are going to cover and keep themselves very much in a thick of an AFC wildcard chase here. Yeah, I'm with you on this one, Wally. The fact that the line never really changed with Will, with Will Fuller being out was mind-blowing to me. 
that defense is going to be able to lock down. They have a very questionable offensive line in Houston, which that front seven, that whole defense in Indy is filthy. They are going to be able to lock up the receivers that they have, which is basically what? Uh, Brandon Cooks and Kiki Kotu, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly because they released Kenny Stills earlier in the week. And with the suspension of Will Fuller, that's two of the main three targets that Deshaun Watson has. So I have Indy minus three on this. I don't unless unless Deshaun Watson throws for two hundred, rushes for one fifty, and a combined four to five touchdowns. I do not see them winning or covering. Colts minus three here, looking to get a divisional win after getting absolutely embarrassed by another divisional opponent last week. Smart man right there. Let's see if you're so smart in this next game. Jaguars are going up to Minnesota. Minnesota is a nine and a half point favorite. Surprised me a little bit. I know the Vikings are really, really hot right now. They've been playing really good this last month. But the Jaguars have actually been pretty competitive as of late. I know that their record really doesn't reflect a competitive football team. But I feel like nine and a half points is a lot here. I think they lose. I think they only lose by a touchdown, though. I think so. I'm going to take the Vikings money line, but I am going to take the Jacksonville Jaguars to cover this game at plus nine and a half. Yeah, this game is this game is weird. Because Jacksonville has been playing those, their opponents very closely. I actually have Minnesota minus 10 and a half on my, on my book. So I'm going to wait for that to drop. I am actually going to suck it up and take Minnesota, whatever that line is, on Sunday. So I'm hoping nine and a half, I have it, or it drops to nine or eight and a half. Main reason behind it. Jacksonville has a bottom four rushing defense, and they are going to rely on Dalvin Cook all this week. I think Dalvin Cook is going to have another explosive game. I'm calling it right now. 150 plus with minimum two touchdowns as well. Wow. It's a lot of, I, a lot of yards. Mark it down right now. I'm, I'll mark it down. 150 plus two TDs DC, which stands for Dalvin Cook. Most people might think that stand, would stand for a defensive coordinator, but in this case, it's Dalvin Cook. And I think that he is going to carry them to a victory. I would take we'll I would take your line of minus nine and a half. Mine's at minus ten and a half. I would wait for that line to drop, but for right now, I would I would take your spread, Wally. See, now you brought it up, so I have to take a very, very brief segue into talking about DC. I always think of when Amari Cooper got drafted, everybody was calling Amari Cooper and Derek Carr ACDC. That was a lot of fun. Now he's gone and that doesn't make any good jokes. Which is a shame. But here's another one. Oh, big and rock still- guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Raiders this next week are going to Meadowlands to play the New York Jets. And guess what? Here's another uh, another nickname for you. Derek Carr is going to try to respond with car insurance in front of him. That's right. The number one paid offensive line in the entire league in that offensive line is very banged up. But they're finally going to be able to catch their breath a little bit this next week with a very – Bad New York Jets defense. We'll see how they do. Quinn and Williams, he'll be the only guy there that I'd be worried about. Raiders are seven and a half point favorites on the road. I'm very confident in this. Huge response game after two tough losses here back to back. I think the Raiders win. I think they cover. And I think that they get themselves right back into that discussion as being the six or seven seed in the AFC wildcard. I have them at minus eight on my book. 
I'm going to take the Raiders. This is a bounce back win, and I would hate to be the Jets right now. This is one of those mm-hmm. wins that the Raiders are just going to – they're going to pull what the Falcons did to you last week, except I think that the Jets maybe will be able to get nine points, maybe three <laughs> field goals. But this is not going to be a Josh Jacobs game. This is going to be a Derek Carr game. He's going to be driven. It's. I know it sounds weird. When you have a kid, you are instantly more driven – I I automatically think of Fred Van Fleet last year, two years ago when they were making that NBA championship run where he wasn't doing shit prior to his son being born, which congrats to Derek Carr on the sex. That sounds tight. Cannot wait for my first time. But that for some reason that just pushes a player to play at a different level. With a bad with a bad game last week, only putting up six points as an offense, which is piss poor. I think Derek Carr is going to be hungry, making another cross-country visit to a team. And I think the Jets are going to have to pay for it this year. Never, ever want to play a team that – the Raiders are good. For anyone who's knocking the Raiders, are, their defense is subpar, but that offense is fun to watch. They're methodical, and they'll get the job done. It's not pretty, but you look at the scoreboard, they got 25, and you're happy with it. This is going to be a bounce-back game for the Raiders against the Jets. And man, oh man, you're gonna be ha- you're gonna be happy next uh, around this time next week when we're recording. Yeah, hopefully much better than this one. This has been a miserable uh, last few days. Still hung on, oh, hung over. I'm still hung over from Sunday, so we'll get there in the end. But now let's transfer over to the team that beat the shit out of the Raiders this last weekend at home once again against division rival. The Falcons are facing the three point favorite road team here, the New Orleans Saints. Now this is a weird game. I don't – it's something about you have a team like Atlanta playing their best football in arguably half a decade. Last week, followed up with the most dominant team in the entire conference right now in this Saints team. Yeah, Taysom Hill's not throwing a ton. They really haven't needed to. That's how good that team is all the way around. Three points, it feels weird. I, do, I really – everything in my head wants me to pick the Falcons to win this game outright, but I'm going to fade myself and just trust – Trust my brain that the Falcons can't do what they did last week again. I don't care if John Gruden said that they're the best 4-7 and team he's ever seen in his life. I think he's wrong. The Saints win. They cover minus three, and the Falcons can go to hell. Falcons money line plus 130 on my book right now. We're taking it all day. If Atlanta is good at one thing, it's winning meaningless games. Let's flash back to last year if you do not remember. They did beat the they did beat the Saints last year around this time during this matchup. Remember when they went to San Francisco and beat the Niners, who were on fire, and they beat them for no reason. Atlanta loves winning meaningless games. Oh, what? You're telling me we can have a top 10 draft pick? Well, how about we win a couple bullshit games and we get you a top 16 draft pick? How does that sound? Atlanta plus 130. Late in the seasons when the games don't matter, they can play the division well and they play other opponents well, but the division especially well. I have them for some reason pulling out the upset because Taysom Hill has gotten too lucky these past two games where this is going to be the game that they fuck up and they're pumped to have Drew Brees back the following week. Washington is going to the 11-0 Pittsburgh Steelers now. The Steelers are nine-and-a-half-point favorites. I, I don't know. I think I'm at the stage of the season where if they played five or six weeks ago, I would hammer Pittsburgh. But And this isn't even Pittsburgh's fault. 
When you get to a team that's 11-0, what happens? You get everybody's best shot the rest of the year. I think Washington's going to be coming in there, especially now with division aspirations, as crazy as that is. I think that the uh, Washington football team will cover this game, but the Steelers will win. The Steelers will win comfortable. I'm not I'm not worried that this game is really going to be as close as the final score is going to be indicated. You might see Washington with a backdoor cover. But at the very least, I think that uh, Steelers win. Washington covers. We'll see how the defense responds to Bud Dupree seemingly, unfortunately for Steeler fans, potentially playing his last snap as a Pittsburgh Steeler today against the Baltimore Ravens. So Washington covers. Pittsburgh wins outright. You know what, Wally? Washington football team money line on this one. Wow. It's perfect. It's perfect. I'm I'm pulling you from a week one. The Steelers team is coming off a shortened week. The Washington football team is, especially when they're coming off beating Dallas, which I get. It's not a huge game, but going to Jerry World and getting the dub is still going to be huge. Antonio Gibson is just playing out of his mind right now. And this game just screeches. An 11-0 Pittsburgh team should not lose this game. So they fucking will. They fucking will. I'm calling it right now. Washington money line. The Los Angeles Rams are going to Arizona. They're three-point favorites on the road against the Arizona Cardinals, who have lost three of their last four games. Trying to figure it out. They still are very much alive. They're currently in the postseason, but they have to start taking care of these games or they won't be playing come January. This is a tough way to get back on the horse. I'm going to take the Rams to cover this game and win, simply because as painful as that last week loss was for Arizona, the Rams' loss wasn't any better. So I'm taking the Rams to win. They're playing for a division still. They're going to get it done on Sunday on the road and put a little bit of pressure on the Seahawks still, even though I still have the Seahawks ultimately winning the West during this last month here. What do you have? Rams minus three, or are you going with the the home dog? This is gonna be fun. If you're gonna if you're gonna stay on the energy of the Seahawks, I'm you know I'm gonna stay with my Rams. So this is gonna be fun all the way up to week 17. And we can talk all that shit. Yeah, I have the Rams going to Arizona winning. They need this game more than well, Arizona needs this game more than LA, but LA's the better team. You put that defense against Kyler Murray. This is going to be the first time they play this year, and they're playing each other two of the last five weeks of the season. This could potentially be the division, but I have the Rams winning. That heartbreaking loss last week, they're going to be so hungry. Jared Goff is going to be so eager to prove himself not to turn over the ball against an Arizona defense that really isn't that good. They are they are a top 17 defense and let's just say they are not 16th. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. I have the Rams minus three. Jared Goff getting his boys ready to play. And you got to love the division matchup. Absolutely love the division matchup. This one's not a division matchup, but it's a game with a lot of divisional – or this is a game with a lot of divisional impact for these two teams. The Giants enter this week as the tiebreaker leader of the NFC East – but it's not going to be an easy trip for them. They are traveling out west to play the Seattle Seahawks, who are nine-and-a-half-point favorites. No, the Seahawks don't cover this game. I'm getting that out of the way very early. This is a, a Giants team that's starting to play a lot better this last month or so. I think they're going to at least slow up the Seattle offense a little bit this week, which is going to be enough for them to cover. I don't think they win. The Seahawks need this game too much. 
But keep your eye on this Giants team. I think this is going to be a game that surprises a lot of people, a game that you're looking at with like six minutes left, and you're like, why is this tied? Or why, why are the Seahawks only up three in this one? I think that's kind of the way this one feels. Seahawks are going to win one, but they're going to have to grid it out so they don't cover. But they are going to get the W, though, Steven. What do you have in this one? That was such a perfect description about it. Right when you think that this is the game that they're blowing them out, for some reason the Giants are staying right in it. I have Seattle minus 9.5 on there. I would wait for that spread to drop a little bit. But I think Seattle is going to take care of business. Business. I know how high I was on the Giants' defense against the Browns, but this is not against the Browns. If you're going to tell Russ not to run it, oh, you're going to let me cook? Perfect. DK Metcalf's easily better have 110 yards and two touchdowns. Or Tyler Lockett's going to ball out. I think Russ is finally going to get back to his uh, Gordon Ramsay style of cooking. And get people remembering why he should be the MVP. Seattle minus nine and a half. Well, let's go right away to a former uh, NFL MVP in Cam Newton. Cam Newton's traveling out west to the Los Angeles Chargers. They're minus one. Herbert, they don't win close games. And guess what? You can all but guarantee with these two teams, it will be a one-possession game. This doesn't mean anything whatsoever anymore for the Los Angeles Chargers. It means a lot more to the New England Patriots. I think the Patriots are going to do just enough to find a way to win this game and keep their very, very narrow hopes alive. So, yeah, the the Patriots are going to cover. But more importantly, they're going to win this game outright. And in doing so, we'll get back to 500. And who knows, the way uh, teams have been playing lately in the AFC wildcard race, teams like the Raiders and Ravens losing games they shouldn't be losing, maybe the, the Patriots can inch back into this race here in the final month. But as of right now, they do get a win this week, get back to 500. I feel like this is the Chargers game to win. They've been so close, like you were saying, one possession games. They've been way too close. They had the bad beat last week against the Buffalo Bills. I feel like this is the game. Right when we're about to hop on the the Pats bandwagon, they start fucking up. This is the game. Because now we're about to hop right back on it. But this is the game that's going to fuck them up. Justin Herbert... This is going to – that ah, – ah, no, we're not editing this out because I'm going to fucking retract myself. DeAndre Hopkins just got shut down by Stephon Gilmore. That cornerback has has had the most questions about himself this year, and then he shuts down DeAndre Hopkins. And now when I was explaining why I thought the Chargers, Chargers were going to win, makes me second-guess myself because if you, if you can guard Nuke, you can guard anyone which means you can guard Keenan Allen. Outside of Mike Williams, I don't think that they really have any other receiver that can get open and change the game if it's either Mike Williams or Hunter Henry. With that being said, I'm still going to pick the charges on this one. I've been flip-flopping this whole conversation. Stephon Gilmore shuts down Keenan Allen. Not enough for my guy, Austin Eckler, who's just coming off IR. He's going to have a big impact on this game. I'm going to take the Chargers money line coupled up with the over of 47 and a half. We'll transfer over here to a game. I know that it's going to be very difficult for me to watch, not even because I hate both teams, which is true, just purely because I think it's this lopsided and I don't think it will be a game very much whatsoever. Denver traveling to Arrowhead to face the Chiefs. Last I saw it was a Kansas City is minus 13 and a half at home. 
man, I, I, I know we have to go back several weeks to even, I guess it's probably almost back to the start of the our show doing this, when I've been saying, you're going to be seeing some awkward numbers this year for the Chiefs, and it's going to be very hard not to bet those numbers still. This team's loaded. They've had a couple huge wins here in a row, so I guess the biggest question is, do you believe the Chiefs are going to have a, like, a letdown game, so to speak, here? I really want to take the Chiefs minus uh, 13.5, but I'm going to say that the Broncos are able to at least keep it close enough to cover. No no chance in hell they sniff a win this uh, upcoming weekend, though. So I'm going to take Denver to cover, but Kansas City, without a doubt, is going to get the easy W. I'm going to have to go opposite of you, Walter. I'm going to take Kansas City minus 13.5. They are a... They are at a flat 14 on my book, and I'm still going to keep them. Denver hasn't done anything with or without Drew Locke that's going to cause me to pick them on the spread. We don't even know if all the quarterbacks are going to be back this week, so that's a ballsy move on your part, Wally. I'm going to take Kansas City minus 13 and a half. They are starting to roll. The only team that can beat them or keep it competitive are your Vegas Raiders. And I think Kansas City wins by 20. I could definitely see it. And that's why I'm saying I really, really, really want to take the Chiefs in this game. I don't know what it is, though. Just the simple fact that they've played arguably their two largest games to date this season in consecutive weeks makes me think going back to their cushy beds at home, you might see a team come out not unmotivated, but come out almost a little lackadaisical, maybe looking ahead a little bit. So I I just think that they're going to fall sort of covering, but they will win easily. But going on to the final game here of the week, you have Buffalo, two-and-a-half-point favorites, going to San Francisco, coming off that big win against the Rams. I do think that Buffalo is going to be able to get it done now. Game matters to them, and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how great of a coach you have with Kyle Shanahan. I'm going to pick the dogs at this point of the year that need to win the games, and Buffalo still does need to win, even if it is just for seeding, because nobody wants to be that four seed who's going to have to play the top wild card team who this year, the way how congested it is, that top AFC wild card team will be coming in very, very hot, coming off quite a few amount of wins in this last several months. And I wouldn't want any part of that. So yeah, I'm taking Buffalo to go to San Francisco, win by more than two and a half. I think it'll be a touchdown game and then we can come back and revisit next week. What do you think then? Well, or let me rephrase that. What do you think of this upcoming matchup here? You think San Francisco can make it back-to-back upset Ws? No. Like you said, Buffalo needs us win more than San Francisco needs anyone. Buffalo minus two and a half on this. I think that they are hungry. Winning a game like they had just won is such a confidence builder. I think that that is going to snowball effect, domino effect, them into getting their confidence and winning games with their offense they are not used to winning games with their offense right now and josh allen is playing some good ball san francisco is just playing the spoiler right now but i think buffalo can travel out west win by more than a field goal i would say a touchdown on this but it will be a fun game but i have buffalo closing out our betting with a w and that is going to bring us to the end of our show, unfortunately. So this is another episode of Loss of Down. Thank you guys so much for listening, reaching out, if it's either via text message or social media. Speaking of, follow us on all the social media platforms. 
We have Instagram at your loss of down. We have Facebook loss of down and also Twitter, which would be what Wally it's at down underscore loss. If you type in loss of down, just into the search bar, it'll be there. If you're listening to us, you already know what our logo looks like. It's the exact same on all of our face or uh, social media accounts. So just type it in. You'll find it. I promise if you look a little hard. Thank you guys for listening so much. Please start sharing us. I know I have said this before, but we are going to start pushing T-shirts, merchandise all out there so we can have you guys rock all of our stuff out there. I don't know. Maybe potentially get our names out there and fuck around. Other than that, I am Stephen Weed, my main man, the heartbeat of the show. He is Walter Lukashensky. What are some of your final thoughts before we peace out? Oh, all I got to say is uh, in- enjoy, stay safe, try to obviously avoid COVID at this time of the year. We can't be having more things canceled like all these Big Ten matchups. My last bet for you of the week, Stoke City against Middlesbrough. Stoke City needs to win. This uh, middle, middle table matchup right now, Stoke City's going to get it done. Take the money line out there. You'll get good value. Oh, well, okay. I have no other extracurricular bets to throw out there. Try to prepare myself. But, John Wall, to the Houston Rockets, do yourself a favor. Go ahead and get a John Wall Houston Rockets jersey because it's going to be fresh. Other than that, like I said, thank you, fuckers, for listening to our podcast we will be out next week and until then we are lost and down r.i.p nate robinson